0: delivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door no matter the results you'll always be winning with muck delivery order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus rewards registration required points only on menu items delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com it's the preview show it's the no name ever podcast <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome to The Preview Show, brought to you by the No Never podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and joining me is the main man himself, the headliner of The Preview Show, and that is, of course, Dave Statman-Robert! Hi, Dave.
3: Hello, Natalie. How was your uh, weekend?
2: My weekend was fabulous, thank you. It was, uh, I was away. I I took uh, took a a little bit of a break. Pirates and I decided to, to disappear out of the country. I think the events of the last week proved too much for me, and I disappeared. um How was your break, Dave? Did you have a good Easter?
3: A uh, quiet one, really. Not not too much. Uh, not too much to report.
2: Plenty of chocolate eggs, I hope.
3: I haven't had a single one.
2: What? No. What is this nonsense? I shall bring you a chocolate egg the next time I see you because I have millions in my house because I I am greedy and I like chocolate Easter eggs um Dave this is the start of a new era this is the first preview show post-dash now listeners those of you who haven't yet checked in on the podcast um Adam hosted a fan special um analysis show on Thursday I think it was um just reacting to that shock news of this week um, no, it can't have been Thursday because it's already happened. Monday, thank you. I don't know what day it is. Um, reacting to that shock news that we're all still reeling from. So do check that out if you um, want a little bit of therapy. Um, but for us, Dave, for you and me, it's the first preview show in a new post modern era. And it feels, shall we say, uncomfortable,
3: different, odd, yes.
2: Yes. How are you feeling about the whole thing, Dave?
3: I'm still a little bit shell-shocked, really. Um, I, I did a little piece with um, Jason McKenna, who's been on the uh, podcast with us before. Um, he does the Premier Injuries channel with uh, yes, Ben Dinnery. Yeah. So I sat down with Jason on Friday. That was kind of, well, Friday evening, so it's kind of had a few hours to settle in. But yeah, it's a little bit of a shock, the news coming out. I think the, the timing of it was... Um, uh intriguing to say the least and maybe yeah. we'll hear more about that uh in the weeks to come.
2: Yeah, we would certainly hope so. I think even the the most upset of Clarets uh, has had time to reflect and you know the dust has settled a little bit now, but I think the one thing that most Claret fans are asking for is just some questions to be answered. I think um there are probably some details of the whole event that will probably appropriately stay under lock and key, shall we say. Um, but I think we just need some form. We need the chairman to come out and talk to us in some way about what's happened and whether there was a plan, whether this has been a spontaneous sacking that wasn't planned, and that they're just going to have to wing it a bit now till the end of the season, or whether there has always been a plan in place and it's just not, not, not yet been executed, and, and indeed what that plan is. Um, obviously, we'll keep an eye on that, listeners, and we'll bring your reaction as and when we hear it. Um, but there was some positive news. The first game away from home post Dash, was a 1-1 draw away at West Ham. Um, good points, I felt, at the end, Dave.
3: Um, it probably was. Yeah, I think we were slightly disappointed not to uh, convert the penalty and yes. go two goals up just before half-time. That would have uh, perhaps made it a little bit more comfortable, mm. but certainly... You knew West Ham were going to come back in the second half. They they got a goal, and we were under the cosh a little bit. Uh, Nick Pope made a couple of really good saves, and I think at the end of it, we were. It was probably a, a good point. I think uh, away from home, a point is is usually a good point. Um, but there's just that sort of nagging doubt at the back of your mind: if that penalty had gone in, would it have yeah. been different? Well, that's yeah. We we can't dwell too much on that, can we?
2: No, we can't. I mean, where do you sit with the whole penalty taking situation? Would you have given it Maxwell, or would you, a lot of people have seemed quite surprised that Jay didn't step up to take it? I think he would have been the one that would have been my first choice to take that penalty.
3: A lot of people seem surprised we didn't have a designated penalty taker. If you've been paying attention for the last couple of seasons, that wouldn't be a surprise at all, would it?
2: No, that's true. Actually, well, we don't <laughs> have penalties. That's why. Um, yeah. Um, there
3: might be a stat on that later.
2: Ooh, okay. I'll I'll move swiftly on then. Let's not dwell on that because I might give the game away. Um, where was I going to go before then? Uh, yes, I think I think the main issue now, Dave, with this is that we can't really afford the luxury of an away point being a good enough point. We need to get some wins. Um, if I was going to put, put your neck on the line right now, do you think we have got any chance of survival? Or do you think that Brentford game killed it? Norwich game, sorry.
3: I think we've still got a chance. I think there's... Um, we are reliant to some degree on particularly what happens with Everton. If they have a poor run and we can string a win or two together, then that puts a different reflection on things. I think as it stands, we are more likely than not to get relegated. But I think there's still a chance. It's, it's, and it's not a not a 2% or 5% chance. It might be a, a, a 30 or 40% chance.
2: Yeah. I think it just feels uncomfortable that it's not in our hands anymore. It's not in our own hands anymore. Yeah. Um, you know if, even if we ma- if we match all of um you know Everton's results we're going to go down and we've got to rely on them dropping points and us winning those games that feels particularly uncomfortable um you'd you'd prefer it to be in your own hands i guess wouldn't you
3: uh yeah i think so i think we, we you'd prefer to be out well like we were last season above the bottom three and able to have your destiny in your own hands to some extent so yeah the fact that we're playing catch up and we need to well, probably get a couple of wins from somewhere and rely on Everton's results not going the right way. I mean, they've got a um, a very tough game on Sunday. They play Liverpool, don't they? So yeah, and that might be an opportunity because we have both of our games before they play that um, that game against Liverpool.
2: Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, okay, well, before we move on to have a look at our first opportunity to get those three points on the board, um, we have a quiz question that we need to give an answer to, which was um, before the West Ham game. That was the, the previous show. If you didn't. Have a chance to look at that. Do dip in. It was a good one. Um, and you asked the question, Dave. Since 1888, Burnley have faced 50 different clubs in top-flight matches and have beaten 49 of them. But which is the only team of those 50 which Burnley have failed to beat in a top-flight match? Ooh, what was the answer to that, Dave? And importantly, did any of our listeners get it right?
3: No, they didn't. The correct answer was um, Wigan Athletic. They no were team... way. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we played them twice. We've only played them in the top flight once. That was in the uh, 2009-10 season, um, and they won both of those games, uh, so we didn't beat them. But all of the other teams that are currently in the um, uh, 92, in the in the English League, 50 of them, Wigan are the only one of those 50 that Burnley haven't beaten.
2: That is a spectacular question. I'm not sure I would have got that right, to be fair. Um, I guess your brain's always looking at who you struggle to beat now, don't you? But of course, there was a good number of decades where we were in the top flight and the Premier League didn't what well, didn't exist and the top flight didn't look like it does now. But yeah, Wigan's a difficult one. Did any of our listeners get it right?
3: Uh, no, we didn't get a correct answer through. I think we stumped a few people. I think a few maybe misinterpreted it and thinking more in terms of Premier League matches. There yeah. are teams that we played only in Premier League but we have played, obviously, previously when it was the old uh, First Division. But, uh, yeah, Wigan were the only one of the, uh, yeah, 50 of the current 91 teams other than Burnley we've played in top flight games. And Wigan are the only ones we haven't beat. So, yeah, wow. it's a, a, a little bit of a different question.
2: Very good question. I like that question a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need to go very far, listeners, because you're going to have another quiz question at the end of this episode, so stay tuned. All you need to do is hang around to the end of the show, and we're going to have another quiz question for you coming right up.
0: Premier League, head to head! But
2: well, before we do that, we have, of course, a game to preview. It is Southampton at home, Thursday, the 21st of April. It's a 7.45 kickoff, and it's live on Sky Sports. Dave, why don't you kick us off with the history of this fixture, please, starting with Premier League meetings.
3: Yeah, Burnley have faced Southampton in six of our previous seven Premier League campaigns. Uh, They were struggling in League One in 2009-10 as we began our inaugural Premier League campaign. But after spending two seasons in the third tier, they managed to work their way back up, and they've now spent ten consecutive seasons back in the top flight. Uh, Burnley have won three. Drawn two and lost one of the six previous Premier League meetings between the two teams at Turf Moor. Uh, the only Burnley defeat that was in a behind closed doors match, that was the corresponding fixture from last season, that took place uh, quite early on, that was in September 2020. And the only goal of that game was scored in the fifth minute by ex Claret striker Danny Ings. Uh, the first two of Burnley's three wins uh, were also won by a single goal. In both instances, uh, in December 2014, Ashley Barnes scored the decisive goal in the 73rd minute. That was not long after Tom Heaton had saved Dusan Tadic's spot kick. And in January 2017, Joey Barton came off the bench, second coming of Joey Barton. Uh, That Mm. was in the second half to score from a deflected free kick on his return to the club. Uh, The two matches at Turf Moor in February 2018 and February 2019 were both 1-1 draws. Uh, So that just leaves one other match from the six and the most emphatic Burnley win, which we've kept back to feature as our memory match.
2: Memory match! Oh, excellent. Well, what is that memory match then, Dave? Why don't you fill us in? This This sounds intriguing.
3: Uh, Yeah, this was the opening league match of the 2019-20 season. That was against the Saints at Turf Moor on the 10th of August, 2019. Uh, There was a slightly drab and goalless first half, but that didn't really give us any inclination that the second half would be a goal fest. But there was certainly a renewed vigour after the break. Uh, The managers for that game, out of interest, were uh, one of them who will be there on Thursday and one who won't. Uh, Sean Dyche and Ralph Hassenhutel were the two managers. Uh, these were the key match events from that game. As I said, the goalless first half. In the second half, in the 63rd minute, a hopeful ball forward from Eric Peters bounced to Ashley Barnes on the edge of the box, and he controlled with his knee and fired home. Uh, in the 70th minute, a floated cross by Peters again from the inside left channel came to Barnes on the edge of the six-yard box, and he side-footed in. And then in the 75th minute, the ball was won in midfield by Johan berg who drove on into the box before slotting in a left-footed curling shot past Angus Gunn. It's also uh, always good to get a new season off to a winning start, and it's even better when you can do it with such an emphatic win. Uh, That was our biggest opening win of the season since 1966, when we registered a 4-0 home win over Sheffield United. Uh, We can only hope that we can reproduce uh, that sort of performance and the result against the Saints this Thursday.
2: Indeed, um, and as we record this podcast, Everton have just equalised in the ninety-fifth minute against Le- Leicester, which has most definitely put the wind took the wind out of ourselves. This podcast. Well, let's let's soldier on, Dave. Let's soldier on. Let's not worry about that for now. We've got to we've got to beat this one. On this day, um, what about on this day then? Please, what what games have we looked at for matches played on the same date but in the past?
3: Uh, all of them. Burnley have played 21 times on the 21st of April in the past. So, once again, I'm going to look back at some of the key matches. Um, in the early days of the Football League, which expanded from just one division to two a few years later, there was initially no automatic promotion and relegation. Instead, there was a series of what were called test matches. They were kind of a forerunner to the playoffs between the teams at the bottom of the first division and the top of the second. In 1897, Burnley lost 2 0 to Newton Heath, who would later change their name to Manchester United, at their Bank Street ground. And after the series of games had been played, the two teams exchanged places. But exactly 12 months later, Burnley won on this day 3-1 away at Ewood Park on the way to regaining their place in the top flight. Uh, this season's Test Match series, in this was in 1898, uh, was a bit of a cop-out, though, um, as the top division was eventually expanded from 16 teams to 18 ...to accommodate the two teams that had lost out. They were Blackburn Rovers and Newcastle United. So we did them a favour there. Um, our first two matches of the 20th century were both defeats. Uh, we lost 1-0 to Preston at Turf Moor in 1900... ...and then there was a 2-0 defeat at Lincoln City in 1905. We won again a year later in 1906. That was a 1-0 home win over Glossop. We then had to wait until 1923 for our next game on the 21st of April... That was a 2-0 home win over Sunderland in 1923. Uh, We then had another wait, losing our next four games in 1934, 1951, 1956 and 1962, with the last one of those a 2-0 defeat at Bramall Lane, further denting our faltering title challenge. Uh, The next match on this date was in 1964 and was an emphatic home win. as Spurs were treated to a 7-2 spanking. Gordon Harris, Brian O'Neill and Willie Irving scored two goals each, and Andy Lockhead scored the other one. In 1973, we beat Brighton 3-0 at Turf Moor. Uh, That was as we were closing in on promotion uh, from the second division. But the next four games between 1979 and 1990 all ended in defeat for the Clarets. And the first match of the current millennium was a 0-0 home draw against Birmingham City in 2001. Uh, That just leaves four more games. On the last day of the league season in 2002, Burnley won. That was 1-0 at home to Coventry, but we had to match or improve on Norwich City's result to reach the playoffs. Uh, They won 2-0 against 10-man Stockport County, um, and we finished 7th. We lost 2-0 at Nottingham Forest in 2003, and in 2012 we suffered a 4-0 reverse against Blackpool at Bloomfield Road. Our most recent match on the 21st of April was in 2014, and what a memorable day it was. Goals from Ashley Barnes and Michael Kitely sealed a 2-0 win over Wigan Athletic, and with it, promotion, and a return to the Premier League. So to summarise, Burnley have won seven, drawn just one, and lost 13 of 21 previous matches on this date, with 23 goals for and 34 against.
2: Well, that finishes off our history section then, Dave. So why don't you bring us right back into the present with a look at our scouting report. Scouting report!
3: Yeah, uh, Ralph Hasenhutl is now one of the longest-serving managers in the Premier League, uh, with Pep and Klopp uh, way out in the lead and Thomas Frank in third place, even though Brentford only just got promoted at the end of last season. Um, Ralph Hasenhutl is in fourth place in the longevity stakes. He took over from Mark Hughes, whatever happened to him, in 2018 and has survived a few dodgy spells, including a couple of 9-0 defeats. Uh, but the Southampton board have kept faith and it's generally paid dividends. Uh, two Corney goals helped Burnley to a 2-2 draw at St Mary's. That was back in October. Uh, since then, the Saints didn't really get too involved in the January transfer window and 40-year-old former Manchester City and Chelsea goalkeeper, Uh, Willie Caballero, who was a free agent, was the only mid-season arrival. Despite a poor run of form, uh, Southampton are comfortably in mid-table in 12th place on 39 points. Although they've continued to use a 4-4-2 formation, or a 4-2-2-2 if you prefer, Ralph has dabbled with a back three from time to time, including in their most recent Premier League game, which was a 1-0 win over Arsenal. Uh, for that game, they went with a back three of Lyankovs, back from injury, Bednarek, and Valerie, and Perrault and Walker Peters uh, were wing backs. They may well revert to a back four again for Thursday, although um, we don't know for certain. Uh, that's their more usual setup. We'll have to wait and see when the uh, uh, the teams are announced. Uh, che Adams and set piece specialist James Ward-Prowse are the Saints' top scorers so far this season, with seven goals each in the Premier League. Ward-Prowse also leads the way in terms of FPL points with 126. Che Adams is in second with 96 and defender Jan Bednarek is in third with 92 points. Uh, Goalkeeper Alex McCarthy was their only injury concern, although he's been back in training for a couple of weeks. So they appear to have almost a complete clean bill of health, which is somewhat of a rarity in the Premier League. Um, and that's it. Yes, that's uh, all we have to say about our uh, our opposition for this week. We'll uh, see how they get on on Thursday.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, we don't have an opposition view this week, do we? I don't think we managed to get anybody from from the Saints podcast, did we, Dave? Uh,
3: we don't, unfortunately, for this episode. No, we have to rely on our on our expertise,
2: which is excellent anyway. Um, what about our referee then, Dave? Who's going to be the man in the middle?
3: Uh, It's been quite a while since Stuart Atwell took charge of a Burnley match. We have to go all the way back to well before the pandemic and an away game from February 2019 when we won 3-1 at Brighton Hove Albion. Uh, The 39-year-old Nuneaton-based official has taken charge of 15 past Burnley matches and eight of them have ended as draws. The only Burnley wins were in the match at Brighton, which I've already mentioned, as well as three other away wins they were all in the Championship between 2011 and 2013. Uh, Two of those were at Portsmouth and the other was at Millwall. Uh, The only red cards he's shown in those previous Burnley games were for opposition players. He dismissed West Ham United's Andy Carroll at Turf Moor and one-time Burnley transfer target Henry Lansbury in a match against Nottingham Forest at the City Ground. Uh, Finally, for this section, John Brooks will be the Video Assistant Referee on Thursday evening.
0: Good stuff.
2: Stat Man Dave's Stat of the Week. Well, I know you don't want to leave it there, Dave. I know you like to treat our listeners, so why don't you delve deep into those pockets of yours and let our listeners have your miscellaneous Stat of the Week.
3: Uh, yeah, this week's Stat of the Week relates to penalties, and as we know, Burnley don't tend to be awarded lots of them. Uh, but when we do get them, we have a very good record of converting them in recent seasons. In between Andre Gray's spot kick in an FA Cup tie at Reading being saved in February 2016, 22 penalties were awarded to Burnley in all competitions prior to Sunday, and all 22 were scored. In terms of the penalty takers during that time, Ashley Barnes had taken and scored seven, uh, Chris Wood six, Sam Vokes four, Andre Gray three, and Jay Rodriguez two. Uh, Maxwell Corney's miss against West Ham was only the third time that Burnley failed to convert a penalty in a Premier League game. Uh, Both of the others were in the 2014-15 season. Uh, You may remember those were uh, Scott Arfield, who um, had a penalty saved at Crystal Palace late on. That was a nil-nil draw in September 2014. Um, and then a, a vital miss, really. Uh, Matt Taylor um, hit the post, his penalty at the post. Uh, that was at home to Leicester City in April 2015. Uh, they went down the other end within 60 seconds and scored and uh, and won the game. So, yeah, they were the only other penalties we've missed in the uh, Premier League. Excellent.
2: Yeah. Um... How are you feeling about the game tomorrow now? Obviously, as we've been recording this, we've just been sucker-punched by that very late Everton equaliser um, away at Leicester, which is at home, to, not home to Leicester, sorry, which is painful. Um, puts them four points ahead of us going into the next two games and they've got Liverpool-Chelsea next. We've got, to, we've got to win against um, Wolves and Southampton. So how are you feeling about those?
3: Uh, well, at least it was—it was not a, only a point and not a win. I think a win would have been uh, a real sucker punch. Uh, yeah, but when when they're losing and get a goal uh, so late on, that's uh, that's a real disappointment. And it was obviously uh, Burnley-born Harvey Barnes who scored uh, Leicester's goal early on, wasn't it? In uh, in that match, um, yeah. I think I think we do need to take advantage. We've got a couple of home games coming up. We can only concentrate on one game at a time, um, although we can kind of cast our minds slightly forward. Uh, thinking of the fact we have got two home games, and we do need to make the most of those those home games. They're potentially both winnable. With Southampton, although they beat Arsenal, have been on a poor run of form. Um, so potentially they they're a team that are are beatable, um, and also Wolves have perhaps. I mean, they're, they're kind of up and out of things, but they've kind of overachieved. When you look at the stats this season, they've really overachieved in terms of what they've done. So perhaps they're Due a reversion to to normal, um, and we can be the team to do that on um, on Sunday, and obviously we'll preview get that game separately and look at that in more detail. But uh, looking at Southampton, yeah, potentially it's a winnable one. We need to be um, certainly showing the, the the sort of play we did in the first half. I think the uh, the first half against West Ham we showed some good play within there. Um, we obviously have the disappointment of um, of Ashley Westwood's injury, and wish wish him all the best with the. Uh, recovery from that was still not 100% certain what the extent of that injury is I think they were waiting um to hear from a specialist uh, uh earlier today with regard to what was happening for that um but yeah i think it's it's one of those games that we need to be at it from the start and if we are then on our day we're capable of doing it we've, we've got to show that and we've got to we've got to give a 90 minute performance I think too many times we've we've done one half or the other we need to be at it the full 90 minutes and if we do we're more than capable of getting a, a positive result and a, a win on Thursday.
2: So Dave after everything you've just said there do we now put this in a must-win game category? Uh, well no. Yeah. Oh Dave come on are you kidding me how is it not if we if we draw tomorrow or lose then we are either four or three points behind Everton. We're running out of games.
3: Before before Everton played, I had in my mind that if we got a draw and a win, so we got four points from the two games, looking at Southampton and Wolves, on the proviso that Everton more than likely would, probably lose against Liverpool, we don't know that for certain, then that brings things virtually back to to parity. So anything more than that would definitely be a bonus. But it's not saying that one game in isolation is a a must-win, no.
2: Mr Bromley's not going to be happy when he listens to the podcast, that's all I'm saying. Um, Well, give me a a goal prediction then for tomorrow night, please, Dave. Uh,
3: I think we're going to win. I don't think it's going to be easy, so I'm going to go for a 2-1 win.
2: Two one win. I'm going to go with a two nil win. Uh, listeners, you know the drill by now. Please, we want your score predictions. We want to know the, the goal line. Uh, sorry, the score. <laughs> who scored and how they scored. You can send us a. Uh, you can tweet us at none and ever. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page, or you can send us an email at previewshow at noneandever dot net. Okay, uh, we don't have an FPL update, I presume, Dave. Are we still in the middle of a game week?
3: Uh, We are, yeah, the current game week, which is 33, that started on Saturday, uh, but our match against Southampton is also included within that game week, so it's a a double game week for for our players. So the the tables are kind of in a state of flux. We don't know the team the week's going to be until that game's been finished. Um, So, yeah, we don't have any updated league tables, and that's possibly likely to be the same when we record the preview for our next match, which is for the home game against uh, Wolves.
2: Good stuff. Well, what we decided to bring you instead of an FPL update was our Adam, uh, who is most definitely the team's um, FPL expert. He's going to record us a couple of thoughts um, just to give you some comments on some rearranged fixtures and something else to do with the cup. I don't know what he said he was going to do, but I'm going to leave it to him now. Over to you, Adam.
1: Hi, Adam here. And as we can't give you a full Game Week 33 update, I'm going to go through the FPL schedule to the end of the season after the majority of the fixtures were confirmed uh, with Liverpool and Chelsea reaching the FA Cup final last weekend. In game week 34, Chelsea have a double game week at home to West Ham United and away at Manchester United. Um, Man United double as well, away at Arsenal and at home to Chelsea. Um, In game week 35, um it's a single game week, but Villa have Norwich at home, and then followed by double game weeks in 36 and 37, making it a really good time to bring in one of their players. Um game week 36, 10 teams double. Um we've said that we're gonna be the double game biggest double game week of the season for a while now, and it's turned out that way. There's also there's favourable fixtures for Chelsea and Leicester, meaning that Chelsea double in both game week 34 and 36. Um we move on to game week 37. Uh, seven teams double. Three of those teams, Leicester, Everton and Villa, have double game weeks in 36 and 37. Uh, so four fixtures instead of most teams having two or some three. Uh, watch out for those uh, those teams though. Leicester um, seen quite a bit of rotation recently uh, with their uh, participation in the Conference League. They're at the semi-final stage of that now. And that looks like being their only chance of getting it to Europe next season. Um, so the only player I'd say is a safe bet from uh, from Leicester is uh, P- uh, Peter Casper uh, Schmeichel. Um, other than that, uh, they've been pretty much changing five, six, seven players each week. Uh, Everton, I'd um, say uh, their watch out is that they're rubbish, and really, as Burnley fans, we want them to carry on being rubbish for the rest of the season. I'd say their only only real asset I'd be looking at is Richarlison because he's scored a few goals recently and he's on penalties. Um, And then Aston Villa, uh, watch out for them Is they've got nothing to play for, but they do probably have the best fixtures out of um, of all the teams uh, and the most fixtures remaining. Uh, The player I'd go for um, for them is probably Coutinho uh, because he's still got a point to prove and will be looking to um, get himself a big move in the summer. I also don't think Gerard is the type of manager or person that would let Villa fall off a cliff. Um, it's just one to watch out for if their form does dip. Um, I'd say a biggest bit of advice between now and the end of the season is to target teams who have something to play for if possible. So, If I had a wild card right now, which I think few people will still have, I'd be having um, two or three City or Liverpool and Liverpool players uh, as many as you can fit in really as they go head-to-head for the title. Uh, there's not going to be as much rotation um, in those teams as we've probably seen um, in previous seasons as they're really going for uh, going for the league. Um, and then I'd probably go for a mix of a lot of the teams that we mentioned. So Chelsea with two double game weeks, Villa two double game weeks, um, Everton possibly but maybe not. And then another another couple of sides that I've not mentioned, Spurs and Arsenal. Both have kind run-ins. Uh, no, um, I think Arsenal have a double in 36, but um, they're both battling for top four and need results um, and only have the league to play for as well. Uh, in terms of chips, uh, triple captain, if I had that left, I think any double game week's fine. I think Chelsea are decent options for triple captain in 34. Liverpool 36 or Man City 37, they're the best bet. Uh, Bench boost, I'd say game week 36 in most cases uh, because you're more likely to have the the most players with double game weeks. But 37 is also a good option if you want to use the triple captain in 36 uh, because you can't use two of the chips in the same game week. And then free hit, I'd say, is pretty team dependent. But again, 36 or 37 seems like the best options um, depending on how many double game week players you have in your side. Um. Another one's maybe maybe thirty eight just because you've concentrated that much on your doubles, you might not be in the best shape um going into that game week, and you can really um take advantage of any team that's got something to play for and there might be a chance to get some early team news as well if you wanted to wait um to half an hour before the deadline. There's normally a few things bounded around on Twitter for the early kickoff, but with all games kicking off on the same day um you might get some um some nuggets of information later on. Um, All I have to say is I hope you found this section useful. Uh, Dave will be back to provide a full Game Week 33 update um, in the Wolves preview show and also an update on the April Manager of the Month. Uh, We'll also be down to the final 32 of the No Name Never FPL Knockout Cup, so keep an eye out on how your team's doing in that. Uh, And from the last 16 stage, I think Dave will be giving a, a weekly update. All the best for the rest of the season and up the clarets.
2: Statman Dave's quiz question. Okay, let's finish off then, Dave, with a quiz question. What little nugget have you decided to set our fans this week?
3: Uh, Well, topically, this week's quiz question looks back at Sean Dyche's time as Burnley manager and just how weird does it sound to say that out loud. Um, And the question is, Burnley won a total of 149 matches in all competitions during Sean Dyche's time as manager. But how many of those victories were 1-0 wins?
2: Ooh, how do our listeners submit those actually and when do we need to have them submitted by when are we recording Ooh, very
3: quickly we're probably recording maybe i don't know later on thursday or yeah, I was say, friday
2: to. yeah it's after gonna have to be thursday or friday so mm-hmm. yeah you're gonna have to get your answers in pretty quickly um, how do they submit those those quiz question answers please dave
3: Uh, you can tweet us or preferably send us a direct message on twitter that's at no nay never on twitter you can email us and the dedicated email address is preview show at no nay never.net or you can also reply uh, to the post we put up for this preview show on either the no nay never facebook page or on youtube
2: excellent um finally then dave do we have any community news to share
3: Uh, Yeah, just one uh, last shout, really. Uh, We've mentioned it before on the podcast and also in the weekly newsletter, but for any clarets who aren't going to be at the Watford match, that's on the 30th of April, uh, there's still a limited number of tickets available for a special anniversary dinner, which takes place at Turf Moor that evening. Uh, The event marks the 30th anniversary of Burnley's 1991-92 fourth division title win and many of the players from that season will be there including the guest of honour skipper John Pender and his family. Uh, The event is to raise money for John who's been diagnosed with MND so it's a very good cause and I'm sure there are plenty of Burnley fans who remember his time at the club. Uh, Tickets are available for a short time although I think uh, the deadline for that is probably Monday Um, so if you do want to go get in touch quickly with Veronica Simpson of the Burnley Former Players Association. You can email her, uh, the.simpson at burnleyfc.com. Or if you look at the uh, Burnley FPA, that's the Former Players Association, on uh, Twitter or on Facebook, uh, the information's all up there as well. So, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a great evening and it's all in a very good cause for uh, for John Pender.
2: Good stuff. Well, that is all we have time for this week. So we're going to wrap that up there and let's get on with... Very important matter of getting behind the boys on Thursday night. Um, My thanks as ever go to everybody who has contributed to getting this out there um, to Turf Moor Stadium announcer Dominic Walker for his specially recorded preview show announcements, to producer Matt for turning this around so quickly and getting it out there. And of course, to Statman Dave for putting all of the stats together, researching this episode and just bringing you all the joys of a preview show. Um, last but by no means least, you, the listener, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. We will be back for another preview show ahead of the Wolves game. Um, if you are going to turf more on Thursday night, just raise the roof, get behind the boys and um, And let's just see if we've got any fight left in us between now and the end of the season. Let's see if we can make a miracle happen. Um, I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Preview Show brought to you by the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At Participating Restaurants 18 Plus Serving Times Delivery Fee and Terms Apply. See McDonald's.com.
2: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.